All right. Well, we talked about this. It features an eclectic group of guests, and today's guest I don't think could be more appropriate to uh, return to the show to help co-host for Valentine's Day, which I think is going to be our theme today. Welcome back, Teresa. Hi, Clark. And there are many listeners out there who only listen to We Talked About This when you are with me on the show. Is that true? It is. Okay. Well, there or there's a heightened interest when you're on the show. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. My wife, for example, she always likes the Teresa episodes. Oh, that makes me very happy. Thank you. She's always happy to hear when I've when I've set up a a future recording session and that she knows that you and I will be on a, on an episode together cuz she likes the she likes getting the female perspective. She likes the non-North American perspective that you bring and you're you're younger than me so you also bring a a more a perspective from a different age group than than the the than me. Thank you. Feeling all warm and fuzzy now. It's not just because of that Chardonnay that you're tipping back. No, it's not. Is it a Chardonnay? It's no, it's just sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. And and well let's tell everybody where you're where are you right now? Where are you broadcasting from? I am from? still in Germany. And it's and you going to be specific about which part, or do you want to keep still that still Hanover? I don't think it has changed since. Or I I do think I've mentioned that last time, and it hasn't changed since. Well, sometimes you. Yeah, sometimes I'm at my grandparents, and then yes. most of the times nowadays I'm in Hanover, and there is not much anywhere else to be. Do you have a, like a roving studio booth that you kind of pack up with you and you move to these different locations? With I your equipment used to and- for a while, and now I have quite the adult home here. Um, that's a- oh, I mean like recording equipment with your sound insulation and that you can pack up into a bag and move it all across wherever you are? No, and you'll, you'll hear that when you play back the recording. It's probably going to sound a bit hollow and... No, I'm not quite as well-equipped as you are. Yeah. Well, I people might think I have this, you know, elaborate sound booth or something that I work within, but I, I don't. It's just, uh, it, it's I can move from the upstairs bedroom to the basement. I can go on the road if necessary, which I'd love for us to do next time we see each other in person, whenever that is. Let's do a on-the-road podcast. Looking forward to that. Well, you are, what time is it now there? Five, four? Yeah, it's coming up to five now. Five o'clock. Okay. And, you know, with a podcast, people can tune in at various times, right? There's, it's not live. So uh, I read a a tip that in radio, you're not supposed to talk about how early in the morning it is because it might make people sleepy. Hmm. But we don't have that problem here. Okay, well, today, because Valentine's Day is coming up, we are going to focus on a few things related to Valentine's-type stuff. But before I do that, on the last episode I put out, I was talking to Justin and, and Salim, and we, we were talking about music and first CDs that we, we owned. So I wanted to ask you, what was the first CD you owned? Um, so that must have been in... Um, 1993 or 1994. It'd be really easy to look up the album when it came out, but it was a new Bee Gees album that came out. <laughs> and for oh. some reason, I liked the Bee Gees. Um, eight 
or a nine-year-old me. And Bee Gees, that's that's not uh, what. There's nothing unusual about that. Well, for a kid, maybe. Um, and and I think back, and I um, pat myself self on the shoulder for quality taste because I think the Bee Gees they are good quality music. Yeah, absolutely. You know, did you have a favorite song? Not that I can remember. I'd have to listen back to it. Um, the big one, Staying Alive, I guess. That's the... Yeah, I, I got to look up which album that was. That one certainly wasn't on there. It was a fresh off the press album that I, that they had brought out then. Um, and no, I, I wouldn't be able to remember. I'd have to listen to it be like, oh yeah, I in particular like that one. Mm. And, and when you listen to it, where did you listen to it like in your bedroom or in the car yeah in the in the bedroom um so um my brother and i we both had our separate rooms and we had a i guess like a boom box or like a um stereo in in our rooms and cds were really big that time obviously um and i think what um made me have CDs maybe a bit sooner than than my friends at my same age were because I had an older brother. He was four years he's four years older than I am, um, and so when he was a teenager, he was really into music. And then I kind of started a little bit earlier. I'm still not sure why it was the Bee Gees for me though. Mm. Well, here's a question: Being that you're in Germany, from Germany, how much of how much German music? would have entered your CD collection as you started to, be, to get more into listening to music? Did you have like German singers or artists that you followed? Um, only later on. I do remember that sort of, um, and so by that time I was in high school then, there was a big comeback of German 80s music, um, which was called Neue Deutsche Welle, sort of. Um, it was German Schlager music um, that had some really, really great stuff. Um, even some of the things you might have heard over the years that made it across the pond. And so that must have been when I was 15, 16, um, and we were allowed to first go to discos and, and clubs um, that was really popular with me and my brother and all of our friends and, and overall in Germany. I do remember that the, um, I don't know, every month there'd be like hit CD that would be brought out. And then for a number of months or years, there was a lot of German stuff on that that made a revival. Did you call it Schlager, Schlager music? Yeah. What does that mean, Schlager? I don't know what the definition is. It's It's a word for German... German pop music, I'd guess, but um, like older, so not too current. I, I don't know what the definition is. So, so the the one song that certainly made it into my world or my life was 99 Red Balloons. Yeah, ex that is exactly, that is the epitome song of Neue Deutsche Welle, I think. Um, mm, and now, obviously, yeah. we had the German version of that with a German text. Um, yeah. And you're quite right. So, a lot of the stuff that then came back was maybe stuff that was produced right around um, when Germany was reunited, which um, 99 Red Balloons, um, that was the time mm. before the reunification. Um, right. 1983 was when that song was released. Yeah. Um, which... 
leading. And the wall came down in '89. Yeah. So I guess the song might have been around, but it did it sort of make a resurgence when in '89. Yeah, so that is a song, obviously, to do with the separation of Germany and and the um, how do you say the um, the frictions between it and how difficult that was. Um, and then it it's something that certainly certainly defines that time, and then it made a comeback um, later on in the early two thousands, I'd say. Here's a question: I'm looking at the lyrics, the German lyrics, right now, and. I can't remember now when we used to hear this song, either parts of it they did leave it in German, or sometimes we actually did hear. No, we'd cert, we didn't hear the full version in German, but I think they still kept in the neun 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 sig part Luft balloons. That I do remember hearing that those words. So I don't know if it's because they left that piece in for the English version, but. What that doesn't translate to red balloons, or does it? Luft balloons. That's ninety-nine red balloons. But I'm not sure if the German is neunundneunzig. Maybe you know what the German one is neunundneunzig Luftballons. It's not red balloons, but simply balloons. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, that is so the, you can stick to the rhythm, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Because so that's a. That solves the mystery. Yeah, you only have balloons, and we have Luftballons, and to make up for the missing Luft, you have to put another word in, so it's red balloons. Huh. But is the song 99 Red Balloons? Yeah. No, it is, sorry, what's no, no, the no, direct... no, the song is um, 99 Luftballons, so 99 balloons. Which just means 99 balloons. Yes. So... How c- I don't understand where the red comes. I, I mean, I get your def- your explanation of the the con- like the ability to make it have the rhythm or not have the rhythm. You put rote. Rote is red, right? I'm not right? sure if the text contains any color. Um, cannot see. This yeah, is you're sharing the screen with me. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. Um, I yeah. don't know that. I'm sorry. Um, somebody slightly older than me would certainly know. We had no, you had no idea, nor did I, that we were going to go this far down into yeah. the red balloon rabbit trail. But I, I was just curious because it's been something I've wondered about for a long time that could be cured by just looking it up on Wikipedia, I suppose. But Teresa, today, or well, rather tomorrow, and closer for you than me because you're a few hours ahead, is Valentine's Day, which Valentine's Day can evoke different emotions in different people. Some people say, I hate Valentine's Day. I want nothing to do with Valentine's Day. It's a, we call it a hallmark holiday. You've maybe heard that expression just purely for the gift card industry to make money off the holiday. Others maybe have different feelings about it, but we pulled a couple of topics related to to this theme. And the first one was, what what does one give up in a relationship for a relationship? So, for example, if somebody owned a cat and their partner had an allergy to cats, would it be reasonable for the person who's a cat owner to give up that cat? And there's probably another, a number of things. Vegan, your one partner is a vegan and the other eats meat. Or maybe midway through the relationship even, it's something that someone wants to change and how does it affect things. So I'll just open that right up. What's your feelings about what it, giving up things for a relationship? Let's just use that cat example. I think that's a good one. We, would you give up uh, 
fluffy if if uh, you had a partner who had an allergy and uh, would you give up your your pet or what would no. you do uh, for for me animals that would be the absolute hard stop that would be an absolute no um, even what you know that you can. Just, Hard stop. No, what like that you I would about not whether you give, give it up an, or not an animal or a pet for for a human being, um, unless my grandmother's life or my grandfather's life depended on it, but not for a new relationship. Um, but I guess you have to decide between. There could be two reasons: either that person is severely allergic, um, there's a health um, risk with them mm-hmm. having that animal mm-hmm. around. Or it's, I don't like cats. Um, I find animals disgusting. Um, I don't want to have, around, have them around me. I'm scared of them. I hate them. Um, so there's different layers to that. But I cannot see myself parting from an animal who, that has been with me and, and loves me unconditionally, really, um, for another person. It would not work um, I, I don't own So a health risk, though, like someone has severe allergies. No, I mean, what would you do with that animal? That animal has been, th- that's how I view animals, Is has been your family before that person entered. And you have to also think, so let's stick with health, re- health reasons. What is that animal thinking, right? What is your cat Fluffy thinking if you're giving Fluffy away into another family another home they know what's going on and they have to get readjusted and um i don't i think we're nowadays we do know that animals get heartbroken as well mm. um no i i do they what a cat does a cat get heartbroken because they seem sort of like indifferent a lot of the time oh, i'm sure we we know so much about their emotional intelligence nowadays that we know that they um, get so close to their human beings and and the people who feed them and look after them and provide for them that um, it's not like they don't care if you give them away. I do often think about, and it's a little bit off topic, but we had to put our cat into, uh, to ship it across overseas when we went to Japan and when we came back, the cat was just picked up by a service that put it into a, well, we had it in a carrier, they, into the back of a van it went and off to the airport. And I've often, imagine what it would be like to just be picked up underneath and lifted into a crate, a door of a crate closing. Suddenly you're in the back of a van and you're on your way to some unknown destination. Sounds like a kidnapping, um, a really bad uh, hostage type of scenario. Yeah, and I've thought... I wonder how often that cat wonders, is this the next time I'm going to be put into, like, you have no way of explaining it, right? Yeah. Like, um, this cat does not know, like, you can't say to it, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go with this nice man. He's going to drive you to the airport. You're going to sit in a plane in the bowels of an airplane Mm -hmm. while things are rumbling and you'll have no idea what's going on, but it's all going to be okay. Yeah, you don't know and... um and so that alone, that they have no idea and we cannot communicate that to them, has me worried for them so much that I would not give that cat away. Um, and then again, like I said, health reasons. And that person might actually, I know I have a couple of friends who really, really um, like animals and want to pet them, want to be close to them, but they cannot because it makes them sick. Mm. Um, yeah. But the way worse thing 
is and and again nobody can can I guess help it and some people just don't like animals is if I meet somebody and they are not an animal friend I already know that number one isn't for me and um yeah I could not if I if I own an animal it's got to live with me and it I wanted to sleep in my bed or be next to me on the couch and um somebody who says yeah no animals on the couch and they kick it off um that is I cannot do that um, I wouldn't I think change it, that much for a relationship. And I, I think this is something that you can find out fairly early on that is an issue. Like, you know, the first time you you invite somebody over to your place, it's probably going to be early in the relationship and that you're going to get a sense, oh, this is an issue, right? Whereas other things might come up later that you don't, you, you never knew about. But an animal might be one, oh, you have a cat. That's that's where you're going to probably hear that within the first week yeah. or two of a relationship, yeah. right? Well, I had, um, as, as dating for the past year, um, tried dating somebody. Um, and I thought that we both like dogs the very same way, infatuated with them. Um, in fact, for the past couple of years of me knowing this person, we have um, shared so many dog pictures, dog gifts, and 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 whatnot. It's probably uh, it made a large chunk of our um, WhatsApp communication. And now that um, we spend so much more time together, trying to be a couple, I would have a dog's friend over because um, they needed somebody to babysit. And I found out that that person actually he doesn't he thinks he likes dogs, but he didn't want to touch them or be near them or feed them or walk them. It was just, I like to look at them in pictures and I think they look really cute, but not looking after them, really loving them, cuddling them um, and, and being close to them. And that mm. spoiled it a lot for me. And probably something you wouldn't have really known unless you were in a relationship with them. Yeah. In a relationship and have a dog staying over for the weekend. I think my views on this are a bit different than they may have been like 10 years ago. Like before I got married, definitely if I was told like this cat, no, this is going to be an issue for us. We can't continue to be together. And we're, we're being, we're focusing on cats because I think it's a simple example. I, I think I, I would have less understanding of it, but now I think I might have more understanding of giving up certain things for relationships I think the the dog example, for instance, for me personally, now I'm not as probably into dogs as you are. Like my wife has mentioned wanting to have a dog and I, I just, I don't want to have a dog because I think about what that's going to mean. It's going to mean vacations are now a different story with this dog has to, if we're going to go away somewhere, we might have to have the dog looked after by somebody professionally or a friend or a family member. So I think of all the things that dogs do to sort of hinder normal living. But I didn't grow up with dogs. So I don't have any of that history. So it's maybe a bit different. Like if, if my wife had a dog and I said, well, no, I don't want this dog that I could, under that's yeah, not acceptable. That's I don't think that would be acceptable. Yeah. 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 It, it's it, when, when that animal is around is different than 
both deciding like, okay, or I think between a couple and one wanting to have an animal and the other not, then always the best decision is to know we're then not doing it because then that's not going to be the best for the animal overall. Um, but I also think that if you really have a dream and and that's how you imagine your life, like let's just say I, I'd imagine my future life to be on a farm with lots of animals and farm work and horses around, I um, I hope I'd stick to that and not be like, you know, f then sticking with a person in town in a flat for the sake of that person. Because I think you'll dearly wake up from that one day when that um, relationship turns sour many years on, perhaps, and you wake up and you think like, God, and here I am and I'm heartbroken and alone and I've um, never fulfilled my dreams. Mm. Well, I think that's too where the, the importance in the beginning of the relationship, you know, setting up what you envisioned for your idea of your future and your partner hearing those words and deciding if they're in or, or, in, in or out for that. Mm. Like if, if I'm dating somebody and they say they have this image of always living in the country and like you said, just what you described – and that didn't jive with my thinking, I would have to be upfront about that and say, that doesn't work for me. But that also um, means you'll have to be very honest to yourself about your own dreams. Because it's, it's also easy what you say right now, but um, I think sometimes we then wear these typical rose-tinted glasses and we maybe don't we quieten and down the dreams that live inside of us we even might forget about them because you're making yourself believe that currently the high-rise flat in in toronto is what you really want because you're so infatuated with that person um and you're constantly telling yourself that this is mm, what you're really after yeah it's um it's it's hard because as, as well you're like for me I was in relationships I had a few relationships before I got married and there were definitely ones that I was willing them to work out you know like trying to find I, I was probably giving up certain things like maybe what my expectations were of a relationship uh, in the sense that it should feel this way look this way be this way because that's what I see in movies or um it's yeah this is a tough topic actually um in a good way like i'm not i don't have trouble talking about it but i just i've been married now for 15 years and in, in a way a lot of the things that i gotta be i gotta say i was quite lucky that i was in a relationship with a with a friend who happened to be someone i worked with and we ended up we were dating other people and then we eventually ended up dating each other and getting married, which was amazing. Um, but I did go through all those like relationships where I was like, okay, it's not, not really feeling hundred percent, but maybe that's just an unrealistic expectation. But with, with my wife, I always have felt pretty much it's been, I haven't had to do any too, too much giving up of stuff. Yeah, maybe that's that's what one should look for. Not having to bend yourself to somebody too much. 
But there is that feeling too, though. Like, what if I don't, then I, maybe I won't be in a relationship. Like, maybe I'll be single for the rest of my life. But that is so much better than making only one person around you very happy. Um, with friends, you can have, um, you know, four or five, six of them, and, and they can be your network as well. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a bit of a segue into the other conversation we were going to have, which was more on the friendship side. Can we expect the same type of support in a friendship as in a relationship? This was something you wanted to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that very often um, in my life. I'm somebody who's typically single, um, tried out a relationship for the past year, but have been single for a really long time before that. And now I'm feeling so much better that that is now behind me again, because it didn't work out for so many reasons. And, um, but now that I'm in my mid thirties, I have friends and family coming up to me saying like, but you should have somebody, don't you miss that? And you're going to be all alone. And, um, that tend to be older friends and, and obviously my grandparents around me, whereas, um, friends, some friends my age and, and younger people are often like, no, I don't think that's necessarily needed anymore. Um, we, um, can, there can be alternative ways of not just relationships, but also alternative ways of being. Um, and if having, Mm, your relationships in, in, in the broad sense and your network, um, through friends and acquaintances and s smaller and larger circles around you, that might give you the same thing or more, um, than an actual relationship where you're just with one person. Um, so. What I'm saying is I don't think we need to thrive for that single person to be with. And I'm really happy whoever finds their um, significant other to be with. Um, but I don't think we have to. And we have to um, give up that idea that that is the thing we, we're living for and that's what we're destined to be with. Because if you keep telling people that if they don't find that one love, that's going to make them really unhappy because they feel they're such a misfit, right? Yeah, a lot, lot in there. Uh, <laughs> and so can you get from a friendship, you know, obviously there's the physical aspects of a relationship, a romantic relationship. Uh, putting that, that aside for a second, is it possible to get the same, what or what you need from a circle of friends or a friend versus a romantic partner? Do you think it's possible? Well, if we, if we, cross out that I'm not going to sleep with all of my friends and which some people do, right? There is, there's polyamorous um, relationships that, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go there. That's a topic of its own. But um, apart from that, like somebody to lean on, somebody to make plans with, somebody to holiday with, somebody to trust, somebody to talk things through to hang out, spend nights with, spend days with, with, share my hobbies with. You can have all of those catered for and be needed in the same way with friends, right? 
it doesn't mean that you need to be exclusively with one person. I might have one friend that I do dog walkies with, and the next one I like to enjoy swimming with, and the next one I like to do wine tastings with. And I think in relationships, people, they make it's such a sport for them to find that one person who takes all of these things and, oh, so, mm. but uh, they're a vegan and I like my meat. So why can't they be the same as I am? And why can I know not enjoy the very same thing? Um, and yeah, you don't need to have that. You don't need to tie yourself to that one person and, um, be out on that endeavor of finding that person that represents all of these traits necessarily, right? It's There's more than that out there. Well, as you're talking, I want to sort of shift gears slightly. Um, so, what, two years ago now, you and I took a trip together. Yeah. Um, you, you went from, well, you were already in Amsterdam, kind of, when I came to visit you. I was in Tokyo at the time, and I came to visit you. And we had this great weekend together uh, seeing Amsterdam, which was a highlight of my life, absolutely. That was one of my favorite trips we ever took. One might say that for a, for a married man to go and have a trip with a, a, a single woman, I guess you were, that that would be some, re some relationships or some partners or some people might think that that was something that maybe was inappropriate or couldn't happen Yet we we had that trip together, and my wife was fully knowledgeable that that it was you I was going to see, and uh, we had a fantastic time. But I suspect that's probably not normal in my like in the sense that many couples would not have relate a relationship like that, where they would feel comfortable with their partner spending time with someone who is of the opposite sex. Do you agree? Yeah, I, ab absolutely. I think that would be if you went out now onto the street and asked 100 people, I think the two from 90 people, you'd hear that that is an absolute no-go. Um, it's yeah. just because why would you? Why would you go out with a person of the – of take a trip, actually fly in over thousands of kilometers to hang out with a person of the other sex? Um and I get it because we, you, it lends itself out to, oh, there must be something else going on and that should not happen because you should be faithful. And it, it's a myriad of ideas that come to people's minds. Um, and, but then why not, right? As long as there's trust involved on, on, on your wives and your side. Um, but once you can grow, beyond that and the trust is there, then why not do that? Because it was a fantastic, fun weekend with other friends of mine. And um, you're otherwise missing out on that if you're just tying yourself to that one person, which you, you should. And, and if you're in a happy relationship, um, I'm, I'm so happy for people who have that. But all I'm saying is there is much more network and um, relationships out there that you can benefit from. Yeah. Would you, would your previous partner have been comfortable with you taking a trip to Amsterdam? Like under, and that, that, that person isn't coming. Would, do you think he would have been comfortable with mm -hmm. that? 
I have, I don't think any of the people I have been with would have been comfortable with that. With that, no. Mm. Um, there would have and been on- at least one or two arguments around that. Um, stupid questions and some weird time for one or two weeks afterwards. Hmm. Yeah, it's not normal. Yeah. So am I like, am I just really lucky then that I have someone who was okay with a trip like that? I think that? so. Um, I was um, saying to you earlier on, I'm. it might, no offense, obviously, but I wonder if it's also a function of how long you have been with somebody and how solid the relationship is. So if you're, you know, I don't know, in your mid-20s and you're still insecure about who you are and no kids and you just have that new boyfriend, new girlfriend, maybe then, I don't know, you, you're you just, you wonder if they might just move on to the next bigger thing. Whereas you've mm-hmm. been with um, y- your wife for a long time and you have a life created together that's so solid and it's such a union that both of you can be very certain probably that none of the other is going to give it up um, all too easily. Um, and Now, my wife also had met you before yeah. you got, went on that trip, right? Because you came to spend some time with us in Japan. That, I think that probably helps too. Yeah. It's, you weren't this mysterious person. Absolutely. This mysterious female German friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be really weird. Hey, I'm just, well, it's just somebody I know. <laughs> <That'd> be, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely right. So that, that all, yeah. But I think you are really lucky. Um, but it, you know, that, so you'd let your wife go off on a, on a trip similar to that, hopefully. And think of how much joy people bring back if they can go out for a moment and, uh, you know, do their, go after their hobbies and things that they like to do. Um, and it just, I think overall, it probably um, increases the quality of a relationship no, I, I don't think that. I know that it increases the quality of a relationship if both can be really happy. Um, yeah. It's funny, as you say that, you know, could I imagine my wife going to Amsterdam and spending <laughs> a weekend with a guy? Um, you know, we, and full disclosure, we had separate rooms. You know, we, we, you had your room, I had mine. Yeah. Um, that was d- a distinct, that's, that's something that definitely we should share. Um, I guess the other part of it that, uh, is something we should probably mention is that you, you have kind of gone, I think at that time you were more dating women than, than men, right? So there was, I think that's also something we should say probably does lend some support to, you know, hanging out with you. I think when you were at our place, (laughs) it's weird. You were, you were queer then, like in that queer, queer mode. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I think when we spent time with you in Tokyo, my wife saw you probably more as someone who dates women, maybe. And I still date women, and I still date yeah. men, and I'm still queer. Yeah, yeah, and, and I hope that doesn't it didn't make that didn't mean that to sound offensive or anything. If that's how it came across, did it? No. <laughs> Okay, but do you know what I mean? Because we've talked about this in this podcast where you sometimes will think, mm, do I want to be in a relationship with a man? 
I'm in one with a woman right now, or you're in one with a woman and you think, or with a man and you think maybe a woman, like it, it, you have, there is that aspect to it that, that perhaps also maybe is part of the comfort level. I, I don't know. Well, I, I hope so. That, that said, though, um, somebody is being queer, um, it, it, it usually makes it a lot harder because it, I think to other people who are not queer, it makes it a little bit, un. what's the word, um, unforeseeable. And it's like, oh, so that's weird. Um, and that means they are like a free for all going for everything. Um, and, and that's not the case, right? It's just because I happen to date more than once one gender, it, it doesn't make me be open to just anyone. So, um, mm. sorry, that took a tangent there. No, no, no. And, uh, I feel like our, our, our topic today is, uh, is serious. It's got a bit of a serious tone to it. And, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot. Am, am I putting you on the spot or are you okay? It feels a little bit like that. Yes. <laughs> then I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. You too. <laughs> oh okay all right okay i i have to sometimes i have my other podcast as and it's a shameless plug my coaching podcast where I, I interview people so maybe i've got my interview hat on more than i should right now if that's what it is okay um okay let's lighten it up just a little bit if um could you date someone who didn't drink alcohol like they were just i don't drink alcohol could you be in a relationship with someone like that um not someone like that. I make them sound like they're weird. But if they just weren't, they don't drink alcohol, would you date them? Could you be in a relationship? I ask myself that so often because I'm such a happy drinker. Um, and I drink very regularly. I, I've done my um, dry January, which went fantastic. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but um, I... So I've got some friends who barely ever drink and 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 that's fine um somehow and that might be a stage one or two to being an alcoholic i identify having fun and going out being in a bar to having a drink and then i have a little bit less fun if i'm there with a person who doesn't drink and i'm just the only drinker i still want to have my drink i'm still going to get my drink but i think there is something endearing about, you know, let's order a cheeky bottle of champagne and, you know, it's 11 o'clock um, noon. Yeah. Um, mm. No, I I don't think so. it makes me sound like a really shitty person. Um, I'd have, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time imagining that, imagining that. Yeah. Cause I know people who are in relationships that where one partner doesn't drink and that person is a, a wine lover. In one example, she's she loves going on wine tours, and her husband's quite happy to go on these tours. He likes going on these tours, but he doesn't drink. And uh, I've often wondered, like, isn't that kind of weird in a sense? Like, how can he really enjoy that the same way? How can she enjoy it the same way when you you aren't like if you're going to go to a wine tasting, for example, isn't part of the the fun of that to say, what do you think of this wine? You know. So also having that tipple and a little bit 
silliness and you and I, we've, we've gone out and, you know, having that first drink of the day and on, mm-hmm. um, on an empty stomach and it kind of hits yeah. you and you're having that giggle. It's just that feeling and it's so refreshing, I find. And I like that. And I, and then when you really like somebody, you want to, you want to share it with somebody, your significant yeah. other. Yeah. Like, you know, if I think occasionally my wife and I will get dinner put together and we'll have a glass of wine and she'll say, do you want a glass of wine? And, or I'll ask her if she wants a glass of wine and it's it's always yes is the answer. Um, and if I knew that she didn't drink and I was the only one, I would feel a little bit, wouldn't feel as good about that, uh, like the same way about that, I guess. It's, yeah, it's in your... Um, face a little bit like oh you see it's like it's like having chocolate it's like oh having that other slice of cheese that you know you shouldn't have because we all know that alcohol essentially isn't really good for you it doesn't do you any harm if it's in limitation but it's also not good for you so it's it's a cheeky thing and I think if you have people around you who constantly abstain from it it's just so loud at you that you're the pig who um, gives in to these um What's the biblical word of um, when you give in to um, food, lots of food and alcohol? And anyways, that hedonism, uh, let's call it that, right? Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, be wanna le- I wouldn't wanna be left with that feeling. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to do a rapid fire today, but I'm going to give you two rapid fires I just came up with. So all you have to do is just give a quick quick answer would you give up drinking for a partner no would you give up smoking if you were a smoker for a partner no i hate smoking i'd never date a smoker so they'd have to give up smoking for me uh so if they were a smoker you'd have to give that up they would have to give up smoking yeah never again dating a smoker is that fair yes yeah it's fair it's my choice right i mean they don't have to be with me then then we have to split up hmm Okay. What so how is that different from a cat? The cat is a living thing that has a soul and a brain and a heart and relies on somebody. The other thing is a cigarette that's going to kill you. And it's my choice. Like they don't need you know, they don't have to do it if they don't want to be with me. I just I'm just saying I just because it grosses me out, I would not date a smoker. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I did date one very, very briefly, and yeah. Ugh, Would you date just... a person who doesn't shower? It's the same question. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I... Well, shower is hygienic. Yeah, but smoking, smoking, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hope we haven't. Uh, I hope. I mean, this that there's. Uh, we had a word of the day on a previous podcast. It was whimsical. Um, oh, I like that. <laughs> I like to include whimsy in our in these podcasts. Um, so, well, let's let's uh, let's move on to your weird news story. Right. So, um, <clears throat> some people might have heard about this one. Um, 
people getting kicked off airplanes, people um, being um, escorted off airplanes with police and or the, you know, the airport security people is no news. And typically I scroll past these. Well, especially too, we got the COVID stuff going on. That's uh, sometimes there's been some COVID stories around this, but exactly. your story isn't a COVID people story. People don't want to wear their masks, um, don't want to behave or they're too drunk or whatever it might be. It's there's, a lot of these stories. Now, yep. I clicked into this story because it says exclusive high flying barrister 41 and his family are removed of a, from a BA flight at Heathrow by armed police after furious row with cabin crew who refused to let his children's nanny join them in business class. And of course, you, you have your mind made your mind made up by the time you read them headline but then i clicked into yeah. it anyways because you just because it's a good point because when i because i you did share it with me and my first thinking was this sounds like some sort of privileged guy yeah yeah he he sounds like he was just asking on a for a business class on the whim because he's a high-flying um uh, barrister and he's got a nanny and they got to all fly business class and so I clicked into it, and the story is a little bit different. So in this case, um, this guy, they wanted to go on a skiing trip from uh, London to northern Italy. And mm -hmm. so they had actually bought um, business class seats for him and his wife, the kid, and the nanny, four seats. And, you know, sometimes when you walk up to the um, – where you actually go through the gates to the um, to the plane – it changes your seat as you swipe your um, boarding card. And so that is apparently what has happened. And all of a sudden, the nanny and the kid found out they're now placed, they've gotten bumped down to economy. Um, so they go on the plane and the guy goes up to the flight attendants. He's like, so what's up? We booked four business class seats, but two of my um, the people who are traveling, my child and my nanny are now bumped down. What's happened? And so... Was it the um, child and the nanny or just the nanny that got bumped down? Um, not sure I think it was, was just the nanny. Just Perhaps just the nanny. I um, think it was, yeah. So, um, and apparently, so uh, British Airways says that that was because the flight was oversold, so they had to bump down somebody. And I read that that sometimes happens to, so, so that does happen, as unfortunate as it may sound, but it happens to people to, who have bought business class seats via points because they are the least yeah, important, yeah. so to speak. They have to be low on the, well, I was going to say, I, I was surprised when I heard that they like I've heard this whole overselling of flights thing, but I assume that took place mostly with say someone who had an economy ticket, but someone who bought a business class ticket, I would have assumed would have some higher level of like to be kicked out. Yeah, would be um, harder to be kicked out, which made me think maybe they bought it on a discount or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly apparently what happened. But so this guy, and fair enough, right? You'd still try and seek some clarification, and um. From the story, it actually sounds like still there was one empty seat in, in business class. So he said, so why can she not sit here with us? That's what we, and oh, right. no, you're right. The kid was, um, um, was going to be with them and they needed the nanny to be with them because his wife and him, they wanted to do some work before they went into that vacation. So it was crucial that the nanny was with the kid. Yeah. Um, right. So, and it's very understandable, right? That he, 
they made it sound like he kicked a fuss, but throughout the interview, he sounds like he's being very reasonable. And he says like, look, I, I paid for this. Like I had, I known this was going to be happening. I would have not booked that flight. I would have even been happy taking a later flight and coming later to the airport. If that meant we could have just sit together as we booked. Um, so yeah, I think he had a very fair point. Do you have any feelings about that when you read through the article? Yeah, well, uh, like you said, when I saw the headline, my thinking was, yeah, here's some guy who's, you know, just one of these privileged sort of guys that's uh, kicking up a fuss and and being unreasonable, and then I'm going to read this article and say, what an asshole. But when I, I read, I mean, the guy legitimately bought a business class ticket. I think he said it cost 8,000 pounds, the whole thing to arrange it so that they would have the nanny to be able to fly business class with them, um, if I read that right. And and that, you know, you mentioned that it got picked up on the on the scan on the way in, which makes it sound like they were only informed about it as they were boarding the plane, which also I see that that's a huge issue. If I had a trip planned and I paid the money, you know, required to put my nanny in a business class seat only to be told at check, not even check-in, and maybe it was, we don't know the, all the details necessarily, but pretty pretty soon to the time they were going to fly, mm-hmm. he finds out, no, you're not, your nanny isn't going to be in business class. She's been downgraded to economy. Sorry, uh, this plate, flight's taking off in nine minutes and that's just how it's going to be. I fully see the reasons why this guy was angry and and I think he should be angry. Exactly. And what I do like about this incident is so, you know, it'll be in the news and mostly so in in other incidences where people really have so many um has behaved badly and they got it be escorted off the plane um people and commentators and everybody on the internet will be i take that dick off the plane what a yeah he should never be allowed to fly again in this case people took sides with this very slick looking lawyer um or barrister um and everybody's on their side obviously and slamming ba for their poor behavior so mm-hmm. i, I like yeah. that story yeah um and we, i guess we should also add that he did he did advise he had lodged a complaint with, uh, I don't know if he did it while he was sitting there fuming, if he re- you know sent something to customer support or whatever. I think he did. Uh, and apparently that's also the tone changed a lot at that point, if I read that right, that once they knew he had lodged a complaint, they either they, they gave him even less attention or treated him differently when once he revealed that he had made a formal complaint. Yeah, so it seems like they have now tried to apologize to him. Um, but what he is keen on is having the, um, so to speak, replacement cost um, reimbursed. They had to check into a hotel, book another flight the next day. and um, Right, they gave him a voucher to voucher, say yeah, this so. will replace it. And that, I agree, that's not always acceptable. Uh, I've been on flights where I've been told, yeah, you're not getting on this flight, so we're going to give you a, a voucher. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the trouble, and it's like a $200 credit to, you know, $200 credit for a future flight with Air Canada. Uh, oh, and by the way, it expires in a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't even use that. I remember I was like, I'm never going to use this thing because it just 
uh, it means I have to have a scenario come up where I can use this $200 credit. What if I don't fly anywhere personally? Yeah, I, I you know? agree. You you want to have the you want to have the cash reimbursed, and I think that yeah. should be um, standard. Though that said, and taking a little tangent to um, just general um, how the travel industry now has changed, airlines have gotten. You'd think they're so hungry for business nowadays because they had such a crappy year, but it seems mm. that um, in the the opposite happens. They've become a lot stricter trying to scrap every penny. Um, I was trying to fly back from Greece in October last year, and I had a luggage that was, I think, one or two kilograms overweight, and I had to pay dearly for that, whereas prior to the pandemic, one or two kilograms did be absolutely fine with that. Um, but no, they're charging you for every penny now and they're um, just trying to rake in the costs, I guess. Yeah. So on one hand, there you would almost expect them to be more accommodating because of how tough it's been for them to get business. So let's keep the customer happy. But actually, it's been more the opposite that, no, we got to, wherever there's a chance to charge more, we should charge more. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I think I want to finish up just by just quickly asking you, like, does Valentine's Day mean anything to you in terms of, like, is it just a hallmark holiday as we tend to call it over here in North America? Many people refer to it that way. Or is it, is it meaningful to you? No, it, no. Um, cause whether um, you're in a relationship or not in a relationship. No, it's not. Um, it's like I said, it's, um, been, no, it's no, it's never meant anything to me. Um, I in Germany is it is it something is it yeah, because I, in North America it seems like more of a a thing than it might be in other parts of the world. I don't think it's um, much different than it is in 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 North America. Um, same here. So tomorrow this, you know, roses and hearts and chocolates going to be out everywhere and people finding they're obliged to make presents and buy flowers. Um, <laughs> yeah, and pay like tw double the price for flowers yeah. on Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I used to. I I knew a friend of mine. He had some connection to a flower shop, and I forget what the connection was exactly. But him and I worked together at a restaurant, and a couple times he said, "Hey, if you're free on Valentine's Day, do you want to help me deliver flowers for this flower shop?" And I was like. Yeah, sure. Okay. And I think it paid like $7 a delivery or something like that. And uh, I remember the the experience of delivering flowers to different people. Sometimes it was, oh, wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Oh, Jim, you shouldn't have, you know, her partner, <laughs> husband or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, she's, re they're really excited. And there was another time, there were other times where I could tell it was like, Maybe it was tr somebody just doing it to go through the motions. And I do remember one distinct flower delivery that I made was to a doctor, a female doctor. <laughs> and I delivered the flowers and she came out and said, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, um, you can just put those over there. And I don't think she told me, but I got the impression that being an attractive female doctor that probably she was this wasn't the only bouquet of flowers being sent her uh, way that day <laughs> yeah um 
Oh, yeah. And, 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 and also receiving flowers is always nice. I love to receive flowers, but on Valentine's Day, they come with an extra amount of cheesiness. And I think they, they make just listening to that story. It makes me feel just uncomfortable because yeah. I feel ashamed for that lady that she didn't reciprocate those feelings. And that's very uncomfortable for anyone. Yeah, it's uh, flowers are a funny thing because I have friends who will say they would they wouldn't spend money on flowers because it's not not cheap. Like flowers are for a nice flower arrangement, we'll call it. You're you know you're looking at a hundred dollars yeah. or, or so on Valentine's Day. They do tend to jack up the prices. Like it's probably like one hundred fifty dollars for a Valentine's Day delivery versus any other day of the week or year. Um, but I have friends who fundamentally say I I won't give flowers because they they die and and it's not it's not worth to yeah. worth it to do it. But I disagree. I think flowers are nice. On and on on as the closing comment, so to speak, in a relationship, I'd hope that I'd be so aligned with a person that we both think rather than spending one hundred fifty dollars on dying flowers, as much as I like them, on that particular day, we'd rather. Mm. I don't know, buy a good couple of steaks and a bottle of wine and devour that together at home. I Yes, yes. And that's that I will say, that's how my wife and I are. We're on that, that same page together. She does like flowers and I probably don't bring them into our home as much as she would probably like. And as much as I, I, I would be nicer for me if I think, if I did it. Because uh, I don't want to say I should do it. I don't think should is the right word, but bringing flowers into the, house um something i know she likes and i i could do it more maybe you do it in a in two weeks from now i i thought of one other thing like in it, it made me think of christmas gifts you know we have what's called boxing day here which is when things tend to go on sale they'll have these boxing day sales so i'm going to throw this one at you you're in a long distance relationship and you're going to bring a Christmas gift to your partner, but you're not going to see them until after Christmas. If they buy the Christmas gift on sale the day after Christmas Day, and they see you the next day, is there something diminished about that? Or is that just smart? I see why that would could come across as it's diminished, but no, I think that's the smart thing to do as grown-up people and as you know, you you love your wife. You're in a stable, solid relationship. You don't need to prove shit to her anymore, other than that you're smart about things. And yeah, buy buy the gift at a reduced price. But plus, you know, what is it going to be, right? Things that nowadays us grown ups like I love to get kitchen supplies, and my grandmother likes to give me sh the kitchen supplies that I want for Christmas. I much rather have her buy it on sale the next day because I could not care less if I get it on yeah. Boxing Day or the day after. Yeah, I agree. Well, Teresa, let's not make it so long before you come back on the show, okay? Promise. All right. Well, um, I'll say it whether in any, however you celebrate it, happy Valentine's Day to you, happy Valentine's Day to the listeners, and uh, until next time. Thank you. Bye, Clark.